Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Mist Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is That'll Do Pig. That'll Do. That provided by El Tigreg on Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Richard Reddy, and welcome to the Las Vegas Grand Prix Race review, the race that surprised the world. Well, me at least. Has it staked its claim to be the new F1 jewel in the crown, or is everyone getting a bit carried away? Well, we will be discussing that without doubt. This was a very fun race to watch, at the very least. Could Charles Leclerc have claimed victory? Was this Verstappen's drive of the season, and did Mercedes blow a chance at double glory? And more in this flashy neon episode of Missed Apex Podcast. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Now, today, more than ever, I'm going to have to rely on my panel to have been my eyes and ears and my stats because I had a very weird experience today where I was watching it in a studio doing a live watch-along and I didn't have any race commentary. And I thought that was going to be a big miss. And I'm sure there's a lot of information that I missed. But these guys will all have picked that up. But it was very strange watching it, not having this constant feed of information and team radio. And it really surprised me that I enjoyed the race just as much. And I didn't actually miss the commentary as much as I thought that I would. And I think that's testament to how the race looked on TV and the amount of action that was going on. And there was a problem with the F1 Live timing screen. So I was flying blind. So a completely different viewing experience for me. Uh, but let's see how our panel found it. Joined in America, offset on the East Coast, abandoned by Formula One to watch it at one or two in the morning. It's Matt Two Rumpets. Hello, Matt. 
Sleep is for the week. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know. So I, I just haven't had any. The schedule has been so bonkers that you try and fit watching all the free practices in with like general family life. And I've actually got to the point now where I tried to sleep last night to get up at 2.30 to go into London. Body just wouldn't have it. Put my head down at nine o'clock, woke up an hour later. Yeah, I was thinking I would get a nap in before today's show, but nope, not going to happen. Slept for about an hour and a half, got up and have been at it ever since. And we have in the shed with us, we have got international racing streamer supreme. It's Scott Stuffy Tuffy. Hey, Scott. Hey, Spanners. I think at this going rate, I have more chance of getting a win from pole position than Charles Leclerc does himself. Now, to be fair, this is the least positions he's lost from pole for a long time. Yeah, he was very unfortunate today, and I'm sure we will touch on that very shortly. We definitely will. And someone who can't possibly understand what we've all been going through with our time zones from Australia, it's Jonathan Simon. Hey, Jono. Yeah, every every race in Australia is at a reasonable time. I'm in holiday mode, Spanners, and I have to tell you, I have never enjoyed an F1 race this much all season. So let's, uh, let's unravel it. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's get on with reviewing the race. <laughs> Okay, so there was a lot of horrendousness on the first practice session and it has taken up a lot of bandwidth. So if we get to that, it will be you know later in the awards. I'm sure it'll be someone's missed Apex award. But to be honest, I've just had such a fun Sunday watching Formula One. I kind of want to focus on why it was good. So first of all, I, I'm assuming I'll look for nods that we all enjoyed that race. Uh, but possibly, who was talking to me about expectation management? Was that you, Stuffy? It was indeed. Yeah, I, I think there's probably going to be a lot of recency bias with this event uh, because it was a good race. I think we all had very low expectations coming into it. No <laughs> one was really overly excited when the track layout was announced a few years ago. And then, of course, the start of the way the event panned out at the start of the week. But yes, um, very pleasantly surprised uh, with an enjoyable race. And who knows if we'll have another Vegas race. Uh, but um, yeah, there, there is plans to obviously have it for the next 10 years. And hopefully, if there is, every single one of them is like this. Because we had, uh, surprisingly for a street track, a lot of wheel-to-wheel action. So I think a lot of the tracks that we had low expectations for this year have produced some good racing. So have we just gotten really good at of expectation management or is there something about these regs that gives us good wheel-to-wheel racing and even in singapore singapore was quite an interesting race when it's normally you know terrible and um and then we haven't had that we haven't had that many duds so i think brazil felt like a dud because of the the sprint weekend but let's let's talk about what made what made this weekend and this race work Jono. okay first off Despite the fact that every race this season I've watched, I go, what's the point of watching Max Verstappen's going to win? For some reason today, I said, is Max Verstappen going to win? I wasn't sure. And that was part of what made it a little bit exciting. Uh, The no grip, the the carnage, the overtaking. uh, DRS worked really well at this track. It wasn't overpowered. It was actually kind of, they nailed it, in my opinion, from the start. Uh, It can never be perfect, but it was pretty good. There was a whole heap of factors that came in, but I think it was the battle for the win where you just weren't sure until those final laps, till that final safety car came out, who was actually going to take out the win. Because this season, oh, there's one week left, Spanners. Hurry up. Let's get it (laughs) over and done with. 
What really? Well, I suppose what you've got a bit of fatigue. I suppose I, I have to admit when I when my wife pointed out that there was a race next weekend as well, I went like, "Oh, that's the last one." And like normally, you go the F one season. Oh, it's flown by, but it hasn't. It hasn't flown by at all. Well, it's there's eighteen races have been won by the same driver, and I just kind of go, "Let's just move on <laughs> to next season." Now that could be the grass is always greener. I have a feeling next season Red Bull's going to have an even better car, and they might win every single race, and it might just be Max Verstappen. But that's next season. Um, this race was like you said. You know, I look at this layout initially, and like most fans did, and it was a very dull layout. It didn't look like something yeah. that was enjoyable to drive. Um, the darkness kind of w- was a little bit weird too, but uh, but the, the race and the layout seemed to pay dividends at the end. So on the layout, I think the reason we instinctively looked at that and said, well, that's that's not very interesting is it kind of lacks character from a, a layout point of view. And there's no standout corner on there where you go, oh, wow, that's like parabolica or that's like the Suzuka S's. Or something. There's nothing like that. But it, what, what they seem to have done, and let's give them credit and say they did this on purpose, was they really focused on like, Drag overtaking zone, drag race overtaking zone. So it kind of worked like a, a cart track almost, Matt. Yeah, well, I think it's important to acknowledge that they adjusted that DRS zone. They added 50 meters to it after after what they saw on Friday. Oh, so okay. yeah. in the old days, they used to regularly tune the DRS zones. But as Jono said, they got it right. It was enough to pass if you had a faster car, but it wasn't enough for someone chasing you to to just be immediately dropped. The other thing that made this track interesting is you had, I, I know you said they're no iconic, but like if I look at, was it turn 17? Like there were, or, or the one that Norris crashed on? The Thank drivers you. were saying, yes, it's flat, but it was only barely flat. Like you were you were on edge every time you went through those sweeping corners. But the short corners... They kept to a minimum. The chicane bit actually really worked to give big braking zones and non-DRS opportunities for overtakes. And we don't often see that at other street circuits. And so I, I think to the extent they had any control over it, they made a good choice with the types of corners they included. Look, they'll come back here for sure and they're going to race here. And I, what Matt just said about Turn 17 when Norris crashed – the thing I don't want to see is, you know how these cars get easier to drive every year and faster and more downforce? I don't want that corner turning into what Eau Rouge has become now, and it's just flat out and it's barely a corner. That's what we wanted to see Eau Rouge like, you know, back in the olden days. That's what it was kind of like. And Norris bit, like, pretty much had an accident <laughs> yeah. there on cold tires, cold tracks. So that's exactly what we need to here's an idea. Why don't we adjust the racetrack as the cars change over the next few years? You know, that's another idea. It's a street track. Yeah. Surely you can make corners tighter or wider or, or adjust the layout a little bit. Stuffy. I think the track layout actually helped with the cars being able to follow a lot closer. It's we've heard particularly this year compared to last year when we moved to these new regulations, but this year is a lot more difficult to follow. It's, it's kind of, because they've had to raise the ride height, they're giving uh, because of the porpoising to limit that. They're they're giving off a bit more dirty air, but maybe because there's not too many swoopy sections like um, Oruji say and uh, the Suzuka, the S's yeah. at Suzuka, they're not giving off too much dirty air. I mean, we saw some great overtakes and attempts through that difficult turn eleven where Lando lost it once they got tires up to temperature and maybe the cooler temperatures as well just allowed them to keep the tyres in check for longer 
and just follow a lot closer. And that's why we got some some good racing combined with they very rarely get it right, but combined with the fact that they now did the RS and we got them going side by side into corners at the end of straights rather than yeah. breezing past. So they were able to follow and they were on the edge of adhesion. So why was that? Well, there was less downforce. So they were able to, there was less downforce and they were able to follow. Why? Why hasn't anyone thought of or suggested this in the past that maybe there should be less aero? And why hasn't any handsome uh, Essex podcasters ever suggested that there should be less grip in general with the tyres? So less mechanical grip, less aero grip. And look, the cars could follow, the cars could race. Everyone was happy. Which one of the three of us from Essex came up with that idea? That's what I want to know. You, oh, you're <laughs> claiming Essex heritage now, are you, Ozzy? Okay, yeah. Yes, I am. No, no but, yeah, but you're look, right about yeah. that point. And, um, you know, Perez tried the, I think, as far as I can recall, he was on a little bit more downforce uh, for the weekend compared to his teammate, at least in the Red Bull, compared to most others. And it didn't help. And you're right, Spanners, you know, this is a track where the low downforce does help and it can help at, a, at other racetracks in the future. The thing is, though, it's, um, I mean, I don't think it was just layout that helped today. I think it was fresh track and track grip too. You know, it was a fairly fresh layout. You yeah. had traffic running through this layout when F1 wasn't on. They had to reopen the roads a couple of times for people to get through. So that can also cause some issues to grip. Um, there was a whole lot of factors we hadn't experienced, let, let alone, um, what was like a 15, 20 minute drive after the race just to get to the podium, which we'll go into later, which is un- separate to the race and the racetrack. But I don't know what the hell I, I, that was about. I caught we'll some of that, that in later. the corner of my eye and I, and I was glad that I, <laughs> I, that I missed it, to be honest. So there you go, Matt. Do you remember there was a race, was it in Canada, where there was suddenly a three or four stopper and F1 went, oh, isn't the race exciting with multiple stops? Do you think they'll just have a kind of, you know, come to Jesus moment now where they go, whoa, the racing was really good with low aero and lower grip. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that technically everybody was running low, like Monza spec downforce, the actual downforce the cars had at higher speeds kind of balances out, which is sort of what you get. But the thing that I really think made a big difference here um, was because it was a new track surface, you had very low tire degradation you still had tire wear and you still had to deal with the the tires being cold or hot or getting them into the window. But the tires themselves had fairly low physical degradation because it was a new surface. So we saw some different problems for the drivers, lots of graining uh, that had to be managed at various times during the race, made it interesting and made tire offsets even four or five laps, a lot more valuable than they oftentimes are at other circuits. All right, let's get into the start. Okay, it's close between Verstappen and Leclerc into turn one. And, oh, I I guess Leclerc just decides for no reason to drive eight car widths around the outside. And Verstappen very (laughs) kindly didn't want Leclerc to be lonely, so followed him all the way out there. And they all went on and had a big, fun day. Stuffy. Well, what we saw today was what I like to call the Max Verstappen move. Uh, Done by the man himself. (laughs) The master. I I am so glad. Can I tell you, I think I never thought this day would arrive I never thought we would see the day where Max Verstappen gets penalised for sending it down the inside, lunging his car into a position, claiming a corner and forcing a car off track. I thought those days 
well, <laughs> uh, yeah, never thought I'd see the day. And then I know there was the penalty could have arrived sooner. They had plenty of time. There was time a lot to judge. of time, wasn't there? There was. But you know what? We finally got it, guys. We finally got a penalty <laughs> dished out for this move. Do you know what? Take Max out of the equation. The fact of it, this move has finally been penalised is brilliant. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it sets a precedent that we don't see this anymore because we want to see wheel-to-wheel action. This sort of move, thankfully, there's runoff, and that's probably why Max was able to do it and tried it. Mm. But Charles could easily have just... Like, like there was not a lot of grip there. He could have ended up like spinning as a few cars did. And that, yeah, yeah we, so, we could have been robbed of a, an eventual yeah, good race, yeah, which it eventually done. turned out to be. But Leclerc, I think, because the rule is the stupid rule that's got to change for next season is that because Leclerc was slightly ahead by the apex and by any interpretation of where you want to put the apex on that corner, Leclerc was ahead. And then you go... Well, in that case, he's entitled to room on the outside. So Leclerc could have just stayed on track and Verstappen would have just hit him and and caused a collision. But Verstappen didn't want to get hit. So to be clear, Matt, if Verstappen had then done that and stayed on track, the rules are kind of a little bit more generous, although Leclerc was entitled to room. But here, because he went so far off, kind of Brazil 2021 style... But he's just been penalised for sort of going off track and gaining an advantage. He hasn't doesn't feel like he's really been penalised for for what could have been a you know smacking into another car. Well, I mean, you know, to a certain extent, you can only penalise what actually happens in a race. He very clearly drove Leclerc off track when Leclerc was entitled to room. He was penalised five seconds for it. Although you can make the argument that that five second penalty. Uh, was perhaps not sufficient to being able to run in clean air for his entire first stint. But hilariously, to me, of all the times I have seen this, he probably has, it's probably the most likely time he's ever not really meant to do it because we had before the race, one of the parade cars leaking oil all over the track. And so it might genuinely be the fact that he turned in and had no grip because we saw Alonso go through that same corner and and spin the wheel of fortune. And we saw signs do the same thing. So as much as it pains me to say, I'm I don't think he meant to do that, but I'm pretty sure he did not mean to do no, that. Uh, yeah, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. But that sort of that, that sort of doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter stuff, no, does it? If you no, it, it doesn't matter in the sense of the penalty, but we are often thinking that racing drivers will make something look like it wasn't intentional when it really, really was. But in this instance, I think that that there was oil on the track and that he did not have the grip that he expected to have uh, when he when he entered that turn. I have to disagree with you on a couple of points there, Matt. I that was totally intentional there. He did get a good start and he's trying to out break and keep tight to the inside of Leclerc. Yes. The, yes, the surface wasn't as grippy. We saw other drivers kind of misunderstand their, how much level of grip they would have. Into, yeah. I mean, because you could see it was very, a shiny surface and, and Alonso and signs and that out kind of break themselves. But if you watch the onboard back from Verstappen, he could turn left hand down a lot sooner than what he did. It's a typical move that he's done. And, I also disagree with the fact of that you can only penalize 
see, I hate this interpretation of it. Oh, well, we didn't hit someone. Someone backed out. And in football, soccer, if someone goes in with a two-footed challenge, it doesn't matter if they take the person out and make contact. It's a dangerous challenge. There's intention there. And they get a red card. They get sent off. The same should be done for racing like this, where you can see the intention is that if the other driver didn't back out, there would be a crash. There should be a penalty. And today it rightfully got applied. But that's it's harking back to like the glory days in the 80s and 90s with and it was it was um, it was such a a feature that has been admired in F1 which is like with Senna he would give you a choice you either yield or you crash and that that has been glamorized all throughout racing as a virtue. That's not I've never really seen that as a virtue. <laughs> I think it's like you should be then, you know, you should have some responsibility as well and it not just always be one person going yield or crash Jono then there are situations I, I totally agree with with Stuffy is like I don't want to bring up Abu Dhabi 2021 but there are situations where <laughs> like that just to compare it to this event where if you do turn in your season's over and it doesn't matter you know like how do you now as a steward you go okay if somebody dive bombs you and you're a smart guy and you don't turn in and you don't get a penalty yeah you're right like in this situation Verstappen despite not making contact it was a it was a a move where even if he didn't make the overtake, um, I, I still think he deserves like a reprimand or something. And it's not just Max Verstappen, it's any other driver in this situation. The only reason they didn't make contact is Charles Leclerc's a good driver who knows to leave space because bad drivers wouldn't. We had this argument with Lance Stroll two years ago where he would literally crash into everybody that dive-bombed him. So in the future, if Max, even if he stays behind Leclerc after turn one, two, and if it's any other driver on the grid that does this, if you're smart enough to avoid the contact, do the stewards go, oh, we'll let that go? Or do the stewards go, hey, that's a warning. That would have been an accident had the driver you're trying to overtake not been smart enough to, to turn out of it. So it's an interesting discussion. And it's one that has, you know, I, I think the best example I can give is, like I said, Abu Dhabi 2021, where if you're Lewis Hamilton in that situation going for a championship, you can't have an accident. Yet this guy's like trying to cause four or five accidents. What do you do in that situation? Yeah, well, I just want to go back to, like, you can't penalize someone for causing a collision if no collision happens. Yeah, but you can do dangerous driving, Matt. Of course you can. You can't. Yeah, you can. I I happily will yield you that point. But in this case, it's the first turn of the race. There was no collision. And he got not only a penalty in terms of time, he got penalty points on his license, I believe. Ah, Which okay. Whatever. But... My point would be that the advantage you gain from being in front Outweighs might it, be yeah. greater than the five-second penalty. So I think Leclerc complained about this, and I think he really does have a point, especially in the beginning of the race, about how these incidents should be correctly penalized, intentional or not. Last one, Scott? Yeah, I, I think the penalty was dished out too late. There was ample opportunity within that safety car period for them to switch switch positions yes we ended up finding out that the cars could follow a lot easier easier at this track but the drivers weren't particularly to know that that early on in the race and the Claire's race could have been affected by being behind Verstappen for those x amount of laps he was and take more tire life out than he would have had if he was running in clean air so I think they they came to the right decision to penalise. It could have been issued a lot quicker and the positions reversed. But 
yeah, it's um, I, I, it's nice to just see it penalised at the end of the day, and hopefully we don't see moves like this in the future. Which brings us to the second six that the Las Vegas Grand Prix rolled. So, obviously, I want to acknowledge that it, it was a good, fun race. And, you know, before the race, a lot of people were, were predicting that it would be dull. And I don't begrudge anyone for having that opinion. I think if you hear, oh, a, another street track in the US and, and you have Miami as your previous example that's not really delivered over two races and then the other street tracks on the calendar are notorious for not delivering good races, Singapore, Baku, Monaco. I think it was perfectly reasonable to go, another US street track, this, this won't deliver. And I, and I do, as much as I enjoyed the race, and I'm happy to go good, I'm glad F1 in the US had an absolute you know, blinder of a race. I, I do feel they rolled three sixes in a row. So the first one was that qualifying session where everything you know, ended up out of order. So you had three quick cars up at the top, but then you lost Carlos Sainz down to the bottom. You had a, a, a bad qualifying from, say, Alonso and Hamilton, and then you had a lot of cars out of position. So the beginning part of the race was a lot of cars unshuffling. There wasn't really an awful lot of racing for position. Uh, it was, if you, if you take, say, the Williams being at the front as a very temporary situation, Gasly being at the front as a temporary situation, it, the, the, a lot of the unshuffling was fun to watch, but it was it was just that not ultimately fighting for position. The second six that they rolled was the safety car caused by Lando Norris. So Lando Norris has has a spin, and I owe Lance Stroll an apology because instantly I don't know I just saw a flash of green in the background as as uh, as Norris went off. I was, ah, Stroll's done it again, but yeah, Lando Norris just lost it on his own. And it's a and like you say, you know, he was just on the the edge of adhesion, and and the rear just seemed to go on him, and he he couldn't collect it up, and he and he went out. It's a it's a challenging conditions to drive in, and he didn't quite manage to hold it. But that gave Las Vegas a big lifeline because not only did it bring the cars back close together again, I know it's only near the start, but what it also did was it forced several drivers to come in and get repairs and put them out of sync. So what do you need? for a F1 Grand Prix to be good and have lots of passing. Well, you need faster cars behind slower cars. And we got that from the qualifying. You need cars on different tyres. Well, we got that from the second safety car and some people then, you know, going onto the hard and getting a, an early stop in. And you need people on different tyre uh, tire lives, which happened uh, for the second safety car, the third roll of the dice. But with this one, Matt, it completely changed the way that the the strategy was looking so really you had everyone on mediums you had hamilton and a couple of others on the hards but it was looking for looking like a basic one stop but the norris the norris uh, incident combined with some cars going off early and getting damaged it threw everything on its head and it was actually quite hard initially to go what is the real true order of this race well it was um so let's let me let me approach it from this direction the first safety car the norris safety car saved Lance Stroll's race, saved Carlos Sainz's race, and it made Perez's race a lot, lot better because it did bunch up the cars. So Perez and Alonso and Botas, all of whom were involved in that first turn, first lap incident, had already pitted and were back out. But this brought them back to the pack. Otherwise, it would have been a much more miserable kind of day for them. But for Stroll, who started on the hards, and for Sainz, who... Uh, 
had that spin and was at the back, it essentially gave them a free pit stop. So from that, from lap three, basically Stroll and Signs both ran a hard, hard stint and they stopped again at the second safety car. So it really wound up. I mean, yeah, I want to go gambling with them after this race (laughs) because they absolutely (laughs) completely lucked out. But it, it did have the other impact of keeping the race racing close throughout the pack so that these faster cars were able to start unshuffling themselves and uh, set up the sort of brilliant second half of the race. And the the best part about it was as much as that second safety car helped a lot of drivers out there, I don't think it helped Charles Leclerc at all. If anything, I think it might've cost him the race because he had a significant advantage going oh, into yeah, that second safety yeah. car Helped by the fact that Max Verstappen had the five-second penalty, which I I know we talked about it earlier, but I actually think kind of hurt Max because then he had to take it during a live pit stop and was stuck behind traffic too. Ended up falling behind Russell, who uh, Verstappen was essentially third in the race uh, at that point. And so I think Leclerc at one point was 10 seconds ahead. Was he not at the second safety car? I might have been getting that wrong. He was at least five seconds ahead or so. And that could have been the difference at the checkered flag. Yeah, so that second safety car, actually, let's get that one out of the way. So Lance Stroll, uh, sorry, Lance Stroll, (laughs) Lando Norris caused the first safety car. It wasn't Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll had quite a good day. And the second one was the debris, wasn't it, from the contact between Russell Russell. and Verstappen, which Verstappen ends up benefiting from. But we do have to ask a question. Whose fault is it? So George Russell ends up being penalised for that. So is there anyone who thinks that that was not the correct decision and thinks that Verstappen was was more to blame? Uh, oh, Matt. Okay. Oh, wow. You, my, I think you're Jeez. on your own, Matt, but make the case. <laughs> oh, no, here we go. I, I, I was joking earlier. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this the old college try. And if I wanted to blame, Vers- if I wanted to try and lay any blame on Max, it would be the following. Why on earth? Were you making that late of a move when you had two kilometers of straightaway and DRS to get it done yeah. afterwards? On a notoriously Russell, draggy car. <laughs> Russell clearly had no idea that move was coming by the way he drove. Or I don't know, maybe maybe he did and, and just missed. <laughs> you know, if you come for the king, you better not miss. Maybe he just missed a little bit. But um, but yeah, it's undeniable. If you want to talk about what really cost Leclerc the win, it would be George Russell hitting Max Verstappen <laughs> and bringing out that safety car. Yeah, I think it's hard to actually lay any blame on Max Verstappen in in reality because yeah. it, you know the move was on and he could get he could get more than alongside, so he was more than entitled to to room at the apex, and Russell just didn't give it to him. And he actually made the apex, not like turn one, lap one, where he forced Leclerc <laughs> off the track. Like It was a great move from Verstappen at that point. Um, can I just also, and I don't mean to put George Russell down because I think he's a terrific driver and I'm not trying to turn this into a political statement, but how are you a Formula One driver in 2023 and you don't see when someone makes a move on you Boy. at any corner, at any track on the calendar? Well, that's stuffy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's, it's almost as if he didn't expect expect max to make a move there and he just turned into the apex as if max wasn't going to be there but max i get it's a very fast left-hander but max clearly showed his intention early enough and it was a great overtake from max like it it looked amazing on tv um because he just had so much grip on the inside there to to get alongside george but i i mean if i'm 
I'll try and defend George in some sense. I think we've seen a lot of incidents like this this year where drivers have kind of turned in. And I think these cars with the bigger wheels, even though they've, mm. because they're a lot wider and because they're, even though they've tried to increase the size of the wing mirrors, the visibility in these cars is nowhere near as what they are like, what they used to be. And I think we've seen a lot more of these types of incidents this year because of how wide the cars are and, and the lack of visibility that they have. So in that sense, I that's one defense of George, but on the other, I mean, you surely should have known and at least heard another F1 car alongside you at that point. Like it wasn't like Max had sent it. He was alongside yeah. for quite a period yeah. under braking into that corner. So I, I actually just got a slightly different read on that, which is, I I, th- I think Russell eventually and in time knew that there was a move occurring. So he might not have been expecting it in the first place, but I think he knew that the move was occurring and he just tried to hold it around the outside. Now, as we saw with like Piastri and Hamilton, it's it's very hard um, to to defend that the further the corner goes on. So the wider you go and the more room you leave on the inside, you very quickly, like on a Skelextric track, because you're having to cover more distance, you get left behind very quickly. So I thought he he thought he could get it tight enough, leave just enough room that he could get a good launch down the straight. And he just he just got it wrong. Can we do Piastri Hamilton as a whose fault is it? Oh, we may as well. We may as, as well. well. Since we're here. Since we're here. <laughs> <laughs> whose we're fault here. is it? <laughs> okay, so yeah, definitely um, George Russell. The, the only thing with that was, with the George Russell one, was that on the first time of watching, it really did look like Verstappen had just gone 11s is in and just gone and, and punted up the inside of Russell. So we're all there going, rabble, 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 especially as, you know, whatever. Sometimes we're accused of being Mercedes fans. I can't believe it. Always so insulted. But on the replay, it's clear that uh, Russell turns in. I think uh, I think the only Mercedes fan not here is Scott, because he's got, I can't <laughs> see whose helmet he's got in the background there, but it ain't it ain't a Mercedes. Oh, wait, it is. It yeah, is it a Mercedes is, yeah. driver. Is, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I honestly think racing incidents are a good call. I watched the onboard of Hamilton and Piastri, and they each could have done something uh, a little bit better oh. in that situation. Yeah, oh, okay. So no, are we still I talking th- about that incident? Yeah, no, no. So, so Hamilton, Piastri. Okay, so you're calling racing incident, which is disgusting, because the, the whole point of this game is oh. that we assign blame. <laughs> So well, you okay. well, I was going to say um, we can discuss that. We can say uh, Alonso turn one lap one Alonso's fault. That's con- uh, confirmed. We won't go into that. But mm. um, back to this one. Yeah, I did watch the onboard, and I honestly, I I actually can't pick who should. I think if I'm going to lay blame on anyone, and I'm going to have to go, not I can't go fifty fifty. I'll give sixty percent to Piastri yeah. to back out of that a little bit more. But um, it was a racing incident, and I think Piastri could have definitely just backed that up. Okay, more Scott, it yeah. wasn't a racing incident. Jono's talking garbage. So uh, <laughs> look, surely Piastri just has to give that one up. I I actually can't pinpoint exactly when this incident was, to be honest with you. I didn't even realise Piastri and Hamilton came <laughs> together and made contact. Oh, really? I won't, yeah, I, won't, <laughs> I won't lie to you. I'm the wrong person to come All to. Right, yeah, I, when was this lap one, was it? Or? No, no, this was no, later we're on. We're talking about like, lap 20. 16. It was lap yeah. sixteen. Oh no, I was happened. I was clearly focusing on something else. Well, I was watching okay. The, watching well, the, well, the Matt, I, the data. to yeah. me, to me, Matt, I, I think I thought that was you know clear by these racing rules. Hamilton is ahead. He he is entitled to to that that exit. And Piastri's you know only kind of nibbled him on the on the rear wheel. I just think you you in under these rules, you've, you've just got to give it up at that point. Well, I mean, more to the point, uh, why are you, why are you fighting that hard? a car that is faster than you 
you know, the, the move is already 90% done. Like, like I look, if you're in the last two or three laps, I would understand it a bit more. But, but really what I want to talk about here, um, just briefly, is the impact that had on Hamilton's race. Because Piastri pitted straight away. It actually <laughs> destroyed both of their races. Because Piastri pitted, and it was too soon to go to a medium tire, so he had to put on the hard. So he still had it. Now he was committed to a two-stop strategy. And for Lewis, that timing of that pit stop meant the same thing. He was completely out of sync when the safety car came out later. He was on for potentially a podium till that happened. Yep. Jono, were you trying to get in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First off, um, I like was the Mercedes faster than McLaren? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd say by a little bit, but it wasn't yeah. obvious at that point. They had traveled together. Remember, the McLarens had a poor qualifying performance. Lewis was was impeded on that one by the whole, I don't science, know what in the world Alonso and Science yeah. were, were doing. Yeah, over there, obviously no grip or something, but they they were traveling together. And at that point, we couldn't determine who was quicker because they'd finally, both of them, made their way through the field, made their way through the Hasses and the Williams who were qualifying cars this weekend, which is, I still don't understand in modern Formula 1 why you'd set up a car that way. I don't think they deliberately did. Maybe I'll give them that leeway. But um, anyway, um. Lewis would have finished P4 for sure. Russell P4 or P5 as well, had he not had his penalty with, for the incident with Max. So you're looking at a Mercedes fourth and fifth there that it cost. I, I think the podium, you're right, Matt, it was in contention. I don't think they would have got there considering it was two Red Bulls and a Ferrari who were way too quick. But fourth and fifth, and you're fighting for Ferrari and the constructors. Wow, you missed out on some big points, those two Mercedes. They finished seventh and eighth. We'll have a, a little bit of a deeper look. Uh, I didn't mean to tangent to Mercedes. I had a plan <laughs> and I want to stick to it. I want to go to that battle for the, the top three. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And if you are enjoying this content, uh, perhaps you would like to become a patron and support us at patreon.com forward slash Apex. We are one of the very few Formula One podcasts that keep uh, producing content and getting interesting guests on and interesting subjects all throughout the winter. And we're only able to do that and commit that time because we are supported by our patrons. So if you want to support independent podcasting, I, I think... We're the most downloaded, host-owned, independent podcast in Formula One, and it really is down to you guys. So thank you very much to our patrons, and if you want to join them, patreon.com 
forward slash Missed Apex. The link is in the show notes below and you'll come and join us in our Slack forum. You'll do uh, our stupid, skippable Friday patron-only podcasts that we do before the race. Non-canon, so you don't have to listen to them, because um, but they are waffle and garbage. And what else? Oh, and no ads ever. Yeah, and where else can you hear me argue with a lawyer about what the placement of a comma in a sentence means for minutes at a time? There we go. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. We thank you for your support. Okay, so I didn't actually plan for it to take this long to get to the to the the battle up at the front, but I, I'm glad we're here because this was genuinely a cool fight. So what I want to do is I want to end up talking about Leclerc versus Perez, but Verstappen won the race, and Verstappen kind of once he got to grips with what was going on, made fairly short work of of Perez and then Leclerc. So Stuffy, was this like a genuinely you know, great drive from Max Verstappen? It was, but he was a massive beneficiary of the safety car. Um, at the point of the safety car coming out, um, Leclerc had five lap old, uh, sorry, f- yeah, five lap, five lap younger tires than Verstappen. After the safety car, due to Max having a fresher set of hards available, that was flipped on its head, rolls reversed. Now Leclerc's got five lap older hards. And, well, if you look at the gap at the end of the race, even after having to defend from Perez on the safety car restart and having to re uh, overtake Perez on the last lap, Leclerc still only finished two seconds behind Verstappen. So really? if it wasn't, yeah, so if huh. it wasn't for that safety car, Leclerc probably had this in the bag because for once, the Ferrari actually looked pretty good on its tire life or its tire management. And, he didn't really drop too much off of Verstappen's pace. I would go as far to say as I think the Ferrari was the fastest car this weekend. And it's really, really unfortunate that Sainz obviously got his penalty on Friday. And it's a shame he didn't really have that um, support that he needed in a situation like this. Yeah, I mean, for Sainz, it was the spin that really did him in. And he was he saved a lot of his race with that second safety car. But you were so correct about the tires here because Ferrari also had two sets of hards going into the race. I mean, Leclerc could have stopped, but he pitted on lap 21. The safety car came in lap 26. But the person who really benefited. So so I agree with you. Leclerc had this race one. They were faster on the medium tire. Safety car shut down his margin. They were fast enough on the hard tire. Safety car shut down his margin and gave Verstappen at the end of the race a five-lap offset, fresher tires yeah. to attack him with. And what I did notice about these tires is, is in the second stint, once they got about lap 24, all the drivers started to complain about the tires graining meaning that they were beginning to have some issues with the temperatures and the tires were losing grip for a few laps and then they would come back in. Max's tires stayed just the other side of that line because he stopped in the safety car and then all the time loss gets erased before the restart. He was actually a second closer to Leclerc on the restart than he was when the safety car came out and he had five lap fresher tires to boot. So yeah, this was this was really uh, what you would call in Vegas a bad beat for Leclerc. As just to add to that point there with having signs, the real killer here that, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, Leclerc did have a second set of hard tyres. The reason he didn't go onto those is he's already pitted onto relatively fresh new tyres anyway. 
But Perez, Perez, if he pits Leclerc, he's coming out behind Perez, who maintains first position. Then he's in a Red Bull sandwich of Perez in front, Verstappen behind. He's given up position and he's got Verstappen who wants to attack him, who's also going to be on fresh tyres, which is why if Sainz was up there, you have that support, you have that rear gunner. That's not to say Sainz would be the rear gunner because they seem pretty much on similar pace over the weekend. But Perez there, almost goal, not he wasn't goal hanging, but being the biggest beneficiary out front, pitting potentially out of the lead, um, well, could have pitted into the lead if Leclerc pitted. And Ferrari kind of had no choice but to leave him out front and maintain track position and control that restart. And can we also credit Ferrari for once for actually yeah. nailing the strategy and and they didn't get rewarded for it. You know, they did all the right things today. And, they, and it's like stuff you said, they pitted on lap 21. Safety car comes out, I think, what, lap 24, 25, 26. So all the other pit stops where everybody else were five laps later, you just, you just don't pit. You just can't. And in that situation, you've, you've done, they did all the right things. They extended the first stint. They were one of, you know, arguably the quickest car today. They were in prime position to win this race. I actually can't believe now the more I think about it, the more we talk about it, how Leclerc is not a winner of this Grand Prix. Or we could also say Verstappen hustled his way to the front, was smart enough not to give the place back, which kind of worked out for him in the end had to deal with Ross uh, with Leclerc overtaking him you know so he was not disappearing off he didn't have the pace to disappear off uh, went wheel to wheel uh, fought hard against the likes of, of Russell did the overtakes he needed to do and even with a five second penalty still managed to win yeah a little bit of luck on the safety car but we always say that he's disappearing into the distance and, and hasn't had a challenge this season which is fair but when he has had a challenge today genuinely overcome it like he he really did win this race i'm getting blank he, he did. <laughs> no no, no. Look, you're, you're right you're right spanish he, he did but look he's in a situation where it's uh, like yeah you're trying to make it out to be to, like a default like he won by default which i don't think is close to fair no 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 and i think you raise a good point Let, let's give you that in the fact that he did earn oh, this win and if it's sergio perez he doesn't sergio perez got overtaken on the last lap you know let alone win the race in in the the best car in F1 history. I can't believe I keep saying it this year. <laughs> but um, that, I think that's all there is to say on that. Max Verstappen, Spanners, yep. well done. No. He earned this win. You're right. Don't <laughs> only ever agree with me the, the time I'm uh, bigging up Max. Uh, sorry, Stuffy, you had a, a small point there. Yeah, I mean, just wanted to add to that point. But yeah, Max did win. But he was very fortunate, I think, from the safety car with that five-lap difference flipping on its head. Because Leclerc didn't lose Max entirely. The gap kind of stayed consistent. And, well, we had Perez behind him to worry about, who had DRS. And Leclerc, without that extra five laps, was unable to just kind of close that gap enough to Max. So I think if if it was roles reversed, I think Ferrari definitely had the car underneath him today. And especially in Leclerc's hands, could have taken it to Max. Because he even closed him down at the end of the first stint. And as Jono said extended that stint so the ferrari looked very good today on tires which you never i mean how often have we said that in the last three four five years but yes um mm. and then he made a brilliant move on sergio perez at the uh end of the last lap which i'm sure you want us to uh, yes talk i'm about talking about verstappen first though you all keep moving on to the next things matt yeah well i will i will agree with everything you said 
But I will still stand by my assertion that without that second safety car, I don't think Max wins this race. All I right. think Leclerc does. And, oh. and that doesn't take away from the job that Max did in the slightest, in my opinion. But it was they, he and Perez both were very, very lucky with the timing of that because everybody who extended their stint and didn't stop had struggles, had a bit more struggles at the end. Uh, just one small thing is, for some reason, though, in F1 history, Max Verstappen included, hey, back to our previous Lewis Hamilton included, drivers who are just great find ways to scrap out wins and win races like these. Regardless, and Matt's right, he won because of the safety car. Yes, Leclerc would have won had it not been for the safety car, but he put himself in a position to luck out. You know, if there was a safety car like that, Perez did not put himself in a position to luck out. He got overtaken on the final lap. Hamilton, Horrific. Hamilton didn't put himself in the position to to luck out because of qualifying and getting tangled up. <laughs> Russell didn't put himself in the position to luck out because he turned in on 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 Verstappen and ruined his own Moving race. Moving on. No, but I'm saying there's lots and lots of people <laughs> who had loads of potential to do better and didn't. And yeah, Verstappen, with all the, the luck ridden, didn't really put a, a wheel wrong apart from the foul, which he got which he got punished for. Well, we can, we can easily spend as like, I can sit here and be this controversial Twitter TikToker and just come up with like fake opinions and shit, but it, oops, oh, sorry. We can bleep that out, Steve. But basically they um, like, we, we're not, you're right. You know, at this point you're right. We need, we do need to acknowledge Max Verstappen's dominance in a good car. And I think he did a good job today. All right. Let's go on to, to the battle, which I think is slightly more interesting. Leclerc versus uh, Perez. And this was a genuinely good and and balanced fight there uh, as well, uh, Stuffy. Yes, and I will just say, I don't think Max Verstappen would uh, not cover the inside on a last <laughs> lap into a very tight chicane at the end of a DRS. Go on then, start with that then, because it was such an incredible move by, by Leclerc, I think. I, I mean, I think anyone with a brain, it's easy to say when you're in a seat at home compared to a seat that's going 200 miles an hour down the Vegas Strip. But Stuffy, when we talk here as if sim racing is exactly the same as being in a Formula One car, and we do not apologise. So you, what you've done is the same as what Leclerc just did. Okay. But surely, surely Perez can see that it's last lap. He's got DRS. Leclerc is going to go for it. You Surely you're going to see he's going to go for it. He's already done it once. He's already overtaken you in the same way, and he had to open up his steering going into that with how tight that last corner is turn 15 into that very tight chicane it doesn't even matter if Leclerc gets alongside you or even ahead of you into that chicane you're pretty much going to be on the front foot on the exit of that chicane if you just park it on the inside and then of course it's kind of anyone's guess with that drag race down to uh, the finish line but I just don't see how Perez didn't see that coming and i think any other driver would have would have covered that off um and knowing that it was at least coming his way uh but it was a great fight nonetheless to see the claire and perez go at it for for quite some time uh, so yeah uh, it's... one thing we don't see very often that we saw there matt is, is cars passing and then having the opportunity to come back yeah, well, I wanted to get to this. Uh, one thing that really impressed me about Leclerc today at this track was his his ability on the brakes into those big braking zones. Because to my memory, that was not the only time he used that to get to get round someone when he was fighting with them. But I, I will slightly defend Perez here in that, as you point out, the problem with that chicane, slightly defend him, the problem with that chicane 
is that you have a monster essentially straight after it, all the way to the finish line. And making Leclerc pass him under braking into a slow zone is perhaps more demanding than covering that off and then being at a disadvantage on my exit and just a sitting duck down that next long straight. I mean, it's not a great choice for either of them. He could have maybe shaded to the inside more and then popped out to take the racing line, which is a move we often see. But fully covering off the inside there just would have left him wide open on exit. And I think I, th- I think Leclerc had him no matter what at that point. I think it brought back shades of Interlagos, didn't it? A couple just, of weeks ago. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. Sergio Perez is basically like, I don't want to go through that again. I'm going to take a normal line through here and I'm not going to get slipstream. And there weren't many moves going into turn one. The straight's not that long to the checkered flag. So if I'm Perez, I think you could have gotten away with it. You know, you could have yeah. got away with defending the inside. <laughs> the other thing I noticed with that corner too is what made for great racing was the person who took the tighter inside line seemed to always get the better exit. And I don't mm. know, I've, I've not done a track walk. Obviously, I wasn't at Vegas. <laughs> I don't think any of us are rich enough to spend a million dollars on a three-day ticket. Oh, wait, excuse me, two-day ticket, because there was no action Friday. But you get a but... free T-shirt if, uh, if you're there for <laughs> Yeah, I know. A free $200 voucher to spend at the merchandise store, which would buy you nothing anyway, because the merchandise is overpriced now in <laughs> F1. But the the corner, and, and I think the camber and the angles are... Uh, yeah, I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but I certainly seem to pick it up. And that's something I think a lot of drivers realized throughout mm. the race that, oh, I can take the inside line through here. And not be penalized as much. But as a as a Perez fan, it's it's just disappointing to go, right, he had that epic battle against Alonso where he spent, what, 10 laps trying to get past, gets past, and then gets retaken at the next opportunity. So basically, fails to attack for multiple laps, finally pulls it off, fails to defend. And it kind of had this, you know, here where he, once once Verstappen got past him, he was gone. That's not a surprise. The second Verstappen got past Perez, that thing comes up. Okay, you know, work as a team, guys. Go, wait a minute. You could have said that two laps ago. Um, but here again, like he, he, he manages to put enough pressure on Leclerc to get Leclerc to lock up. So don't forget there was, um, whilst we're praising you know, Leclerc, there was that, that mistake that probably shows how on the edge he was. And then, and then Leclerc is able to ultimately get him back. What's disappointing is in Interlagos, you needed you needed the 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 proper racing line to get a run, otherwise you were vulnerable up the hill down to turn one. Here, you could basically have parked it on the apex of the left hander, and there's not a lot the car behind could have done. So, so it's just really disappointing stuffy. As as a Perez fan, you know I've really loved how he just punches above his weight, finds that alternate strategy. But once again, when it just comes down to that pure wheel-to-wheel with some of the best in the business, it just doesn't look great. No, and it just shows the difference between the best and, with respect, Perez, who has slugged it out in the midfield for so long. Um, He's given his go against Max, and he hasn't been able to stay with the greatness that Mm. Max has been able to achieve in the last few years. And it's just... I feel like maybe there was just some self-preservation behind it. He was trying to... Podium's Maybe good enough. Just thinking, <laughs> podium's good enough. He's got P2 in the championship now. Red Bull have secured their first ever one two in the drivers' championship ever oh, yeah. from that podium. And like in the grand scheme of things, he's still made up like seven positions. Although there's the argument of once again that low bar of well, he should be higher up in qualifying anyway, in arguably the most dominant car in history. But that 
there's probably all those thoughts going in his mind. And maybe, maybe I'll take it back. Maybe he did expect Leclerc to make that move, but he's thinking, I don't want to turn in or I don't want to defend. And Leclerc, who is trying to go for that, trying to recover that second place, maybe a bit more hot headed than Perez, although Perez has history of being hot headed himself. I don't know. I just, it's it's maybe, yeah, self preservation. All right, let's move on to the to the midfield, which sadly includes, well, sadly, if you're a Mercedes fan, <laughs> includes Mercedes. <laughs> I keep trying. I keep trying to be, I keep trying to be the neutral that the YouTube comments want me to be. Can't, can't help it. Okay, uh, a little bit quicker on, on these ones, because I think it is interesting to cover uh, Mercedes and what was going on at Alpine. So really, really disappointing day for, for Mercedes. And I'm, I'm actually starting to worry because there was, there was a car underneath them this weekend i think they could potentially you said fourth and fifth i honestly think if hamilton hadn't have had that tussle with with piastri he was he was up there in that top three fighting matt and and then russell would have been there or thereabouts as well and russell was there or thereabouts and kind of threw it away with that with the penalty he had to serve from from verstappen yeah well let's talk about that because when he got the puncture he was on the hard tire like perez and he was ahead of Perez, mm-hmm. unlike Perez, who was where Perez was. And without that puncture, he would have benefited from the same safety car caused by his teammate in the same way that Perez did. So, yes, he would have been at the front. He would have been second or third with 26 laps to go and fighting with Leclerc and Verstappen and Perez for those podium positions and he had he had genuine race pace and uh, he, he had the second set of hard tires to go on to as well so there's absolutely nothing in it mm. if he hadn't had that incident with piastri in terms of his race and he made some amazing overtakes before that around the outside yep. places you really didn't expect he was having a really good race. So Mia saying, saying there was a great overtake on, on Gasly near the end, which I, which I think I missed. So I'm not denying at all that he had some great overtakes and was looking really racy. And I, I think he went for a lower downforce setting than, than um It, it, it could than be. I, I know that he talked about not being happy with the yeah. moves he made with his setup towards qualifying, which is why you saw him finish where they did. Yeah. But Mercedes is also a team that has always struggled to switch their tires on in qualifying. Yeah. So not entirely surprised by that either. So I think they might have gone a step down and then struggled even more, which is which ended up just binning him out of, of Q3, but actually might, might have helped him out a little bit in, in the race. So I'm not denying at all that he was looking punchy, looking racy, overtaking. And that's good if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan and you're thinking about a, a championship fight somewhere along the lines. Uh, but he, he has been involved in a lot of incidents in the back half. And I don't know whether there's an end of school feeling where it kind of doesn't matter because they're not fighting for the championship, but he's tangled with his own teammate turning in. You know, uh, he's, he's had a, a couple of, of little incidents here and throughout the, the end of the back half of the season. And it, it sort of makes me wonder, can he park that? Can he park that, Jono? If there is a title fight, mm-hmm. is he able to kind of switch back to less of a, a risk uh, or more of a, a risk-reward management? Because at the moment, he's just going for it, which, you know, there's some joy. He, he hasn't had a lot of experience lately of, of just having a nice car, but not, mm. not there being a title on the line. So is he just enjoying himself and have, being a bit, ah, what will be will be? Yeah, maybe there's some recency bias with me, but I can't remember him having this many accidents since 
2011. No, no, Maybe no. I'm wrong. No, no, you're not wrong. He's he has gone through a phase yeah. of being super super clean and, uh, and, and and not really getting into tangles. And you know what? Like dating, it's like you're going through a phase. You're oh. right. It's the overtaking, hitting people phase. The same way people have dating phases and go don't, through. Don't, some name, stuff them. That, don't name them. Don't name them. Don't name. Don't go into <laughs> any more now, detail. Now, I, you know what? Like I, he can switch, and he's proved it before. He can switch. You know, he had a he had a 2011 season that was absolutely tumultuous, and then he came in 2012 and had a car which, you know, if not for reliability reasons, could have been up there potentially yeah. winning the world championship. So he's done it in the past. He can he can switch it back. Um, but I'll I'll go to Stuffy quickly because I have something really good to say about George Russell in a sec. Okay. I totally disagree. I think Lewis is absolutely hating his time in this car at the moment. After the race, he uh, had an agreement with George. He literally shoved George out of the way and was like, I just want to do this interview first so that I can get out of here. He is hating oh, wow. his time in this car at the moment. And it doesn't help today, but I'm just looking. He had a very bad start, starting on the harder compound tyre, obviously tagged a little bit by signs. He actually lost four positions at the start, whereas some others like Stroll and Ocon made up 10 and eight positions due to kind of avoiding those spinning cars. But yeah, I think he can't wait to get into next year where hopefully they have a car that's built from the ground up and not necessarily got parts bolted onto. Um, so, and I think that's why we're seeing Lewis, similar to how other drivers are, they, they just go for it because they don't necessarily care. They're trying to extract pace out of a slower car. Okay, we're getting a little bit short on time here, Matt. So just a quick last one on Hamilton. I will briefly disagree. I think a lot of his troubles are down to starting further back in the field. The farther back Mm -hmm. you start, the higher your risk. And just like people are concerned about recency bias, I wouldn't read too much into it. He's not lost his ability to drive around a track and not hit things. But, But also, George Russell is having a lot of these incidents as well. And it was really telling in Brazil when Norris's race engineer said, oh, it's Russell up next. You know what he's like. It's it's all or nothing, and it kind of I think opened a lot of people's eyes to go kind of going that is that is actually a fair description. He is he is kind of all, all or nothing. Johnny, perfect example was Singapore this year, which Russell said during his interviews, and this is something was I was really listening intently to George Russell's interviews this weekend, and how he mentioned, oh, I've only got one podium, yeah, and he kind of delved into the fact that he said I've always been on it and performing well when the car's not being good. But yet when the car is good, he's just not been on it or he's made oh, mistakes yeah, or that, some, yeah. some other stuff. Now, and I'm thinking, oh, so what? Like Lewis Hamilton 2022, when you were winning all the races when the car was good and Hamilton was amazing, but battling for P7 in a car that should have been P12, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I guess it's kind of um, maybe karma is not the right word. I think that sounds like it's, you know, it's kind of just the roles have reversed this year between the two. You know, this is like literally Russell's going through the season that Lewis went through last year. And it's um even a probably more extreme version. He's like three races down in the championship on his teammate. Okay. But I think it was a, it was a good point that, that Russell brought up that, yeah, like I, I think he's been on it, but I don't think it's been to the lengths of, of, I think he's made more mistakes than Lewis did last year, you know, when, when the roles were reversed. So I think he's, All if right. anyone needs a reset, it's George Russell. good day for Ocon Matthew yeah I mean if you consider finishing fourth in the race a good day it was a good day (laughs) amazing considering you started 16th even amazinger (laughs) what were Gasly's issues Matt what were those issues with his car was it like with the with the uh recovery of energy yeah he had a battery issue but he was also I think struggling a bit more with the tires for whatever reason 
slightly different setup. I, I know that, that he said in the past that they found a direction that really works well for him. And it may have been in the race, that direction on this track sent, gave him more issues in the later stages of the race. But um, it's worth it all for them to have played that. Okay, we're going to hold position right as Ocon was passing him. <laughs> and they were having that battle. We, we need you to look after the car. Okay, great. I'm going to pass my teammate right now. Which, sorry, can I jump in quickly? I think Ocon said I only heard the word position because I was making the move <laughs> or something. And I'm like, we'll, we'll take his word for it. <laughs> but he was a lot faster, Stuffy. Yes, and I think Ocon, after the first corner, pretty much was in the position where he probably would have, should have qualified if he didn't get his lap um, interrupted by a certain Red Bull driver on the Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I, Gasly... <laughs> Gasly must be fuming recently because he's actually been doing pretty well and Ocon has been qualifying below him. And I think Suzuka's the last time as well. Safety cars have come out or mechanical issues have occurred. And then Ocon ends up finishing like in the top five or top six and Gasly's like a position behind him or two positions behind him. I feel like Gasly's actually doing a really good job and then being shafted a little bit or unlucky by safety cars and strategy. Well, well, I'm sure I, Matt would put it down to raw animal skill. Well, no, I wouldn't. Actually, I think Ocon's had more DNFs than anyone in the field this year. But I think I think Gasly was very unlucky uh, in the sense that he had a reliability issue. And I think that's the main reason you saw him fall so far out of the points. I think Ocon was faster in the race. And I don't think the safety car affected either one of them. Neither one of them pitted for the safety car. Um, and they even extended Ocon's uh, stint by several laps so that there was no hint, no chance that he would undercut Gasly. I thought at the time that's why they did it. Um, but it just wound up working out having that tire advantage at the end helped him when they, when they came together after the safety car restart. Scott? Just a quick point on Alpine. How many mechanical issues and DNS have they had this year? Surely it's the most on the grids. It's ridiculous like enough, Renault, enough to be six in the championship i think <laughs> I, well that's the thing you think if they actually had a car that was reliable how well they potentially could do because i think they've got a good driver pair in there and it's um hopefully they sort those issues out because they are a team that should move well, further up the grid. I, I mean this really could have been a very special weekend for esteban ocon but there was a little bit of an incident in qualifying whose fault is it it's actually a fascinating a one, one, this one. And uh, we were completely split on this in our in the, the WhatsApp. Loads of arguments uh, going on after this incident. Uh, but there's, a, there's a, a queue with Verstappen leading it. Verstappen's very keen to be at the front of the queue, but wants his perfect gap. Ocon comes steaming through and overtakes everyone except Verstappen. Struggles. Verstappen very clearly, incredibly clearly and obviously impedes and deliberately blocks him. And Ocon's like, despite what his engineer's saying, his engineer, I think, is saying, ah, oh, let's wait, let's wait. And he's like, no, we need to go. He's trying to keep to his maximum delta, ends up getting past Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen, by his own admission, is angry and deliberately ruins Ocon's lap into turn one. But like, what, what on earth do we make of that? Uh, I guess we start with you, Matt. I, I think I know who you're going to say was in the wrong, though. Well, I, I thought... Honestly, I looked at the onboards before the later information about Max's interview came out, and my impression was more or less exactly that. 
Okan wanted to go. Max didn't want him to go. Okan want, went anyway, and then Max tried to get round him. And it, it was obviously peeved that, that Okan had ruined his gap to, I think it was Perez or whoever was in front of him. But, you know, they're both on a hot lap. So technically, technically, there's, there's, no, there's no foul. You're not allowed to impede someone coming past you. But if you're on a hot lap and someone is slower, you're also allowed to go round them. And oh, I have to, I have to cut in there because he <laughs> he said he impeded. He said I impeded him on purpose, and I do it again. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's where I was like, well, okay, now we're not talking apples and apples. Now we're talking apples and oranges. And and what Max did by purposefully ruining Ocon's lap was not just ruin Ocon's lap, which a lot of people are like, well, he broke the gentleman's agreement, which got tossed out in Monza a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, they saw it as fair game because Ocon went past Max. So Max was just trying to get around him. But his actions also ruined Joe's lap as well, who had nothing to do with any of it. And in fact, got investigated for being too slow because he sat behind Max and that made him too slow through that final sector for the race director's uh, prescription. So, so yeah, I mean, to me, that's a Max issue. Jonathan. They, um, I'm actually surprised he didn't get investigated after the interview because he did exploit the rules. He didn't do anything wrong. They're both on hot laps. And, and that's one thing I love about Max is that he really sets the tone and he goes, hey, don't mess with me. And he does this stuff. And he, he really, he's good with that kind of stuff. He plays the dog element of oh, the human on. world, you know, and the F1 world. But the other the other thing quickly, Spanners, is then you go and say that in the interview. And I've heard drivers before get penalties in interviews for lying. Going back to Australia 2009, if anyone remembers, when, when Lewis Hamilton was disqualified, your interviews can be used against you in the steward's room. So he needs <laughs> to be careful in the future. Okay, hang on, though. When Verstappen just goes and overtakes everybody, because they're too slow after the pit lane exit in Interlagos. That's like, yeah, good. He's getting on with it. But when he wants to hold up Ocon and Ocon's like, no, I want to go. That's, that's not good. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying what anyone did is correct. I'm not saying what anyone did was wrong in any circumstance. I'm just saying that it's uh, what's, what's the term like dog eat dog world out there in F1, especially. And so who's going to rise to the top. It's the, the leader of the pack and Max Verstappen's proved, Hey, I don't want to be messed with. If I'm Ocon next time I'm on a hot lap, I will find Verstappen and be like, Oh, sorry. I missed the apex. Oh, Verstappen. Sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your lap, but I was on a lap myself. Stuffy. I would do it back to him. Hark, harking back kind of to the points that we made earlier on when Matt said there isn't, and if there isn't an outcome from say uh, someone going into someone and they move out of the way and it can't be penalised. This time around, there was actually an outcome. Yep. Not from the actual contact from Ocon and Verstappen because they avoided each other, but the fact that Ocon and both Joe didn't make it out of Q1 because of that incident from Max, which he's admitted he did intentionally in an mm. interview afterwards. Yeah. Like Jono says, I don't know how they haven't investigated him for that. That's unsportsmanlike conduct, uh, conduct and I'm sure... There is a regulation somewhere that that can a penalty there is. Can be issued. Yeah, there is. Look, it's it's to me, it's so clear. There's three counts of impeding and one count of blocking. So he was impeding by stopping everyone hitting their maximum lap time behind him. The blocking was he physically tried to stop Ocon from overtaking. Then he deliberately, on purpose, impeded Ocon into turn one and and inadvertently then impeded Joe. So it, to me, it's an absolute shocker that that hasn't got investigated. The rest of the subjects we haven't covered, I think, are going to get covered in our awards as we head to the podium. 
Now, everybody, squeeze into the back of a small car as we make our way <laughs> over to the podium. And look, whenever we get to this part of the podium, I always think, did I enjoy my Sunday watching Formula One? And I, I absolutely did. So, well done to Las Vegas for everything that happened after Thursday. So, from FP3 onwards, well done, F1. Uh, well done, Las Vegas. It was an audacious and ambitious thing to do. I don't agree with a, a lot of went on in a, in and around and in the lead up to it. Uh, but Sunday was the proof of the pudding. Put up or, or shut up. They they got their sixes and they were in a position to take advantage of that. Okay, so let's give out some awards then. I will go first. I'm going to go first. I'm going to take the lead on this. So this is the, we're going to go for first the the, the bad one. That one. Oh no, you missed the apex. We're going to start with the bad one so we get to be all positive later on. That's a revelation we had from, from the last <laughs> race review. So, uh, who missed the apex? I've just been praising uh, the FIA and the uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix. They missed the apex completely for Friday. I don't know how much I want to uh, dwell on this, but someone made a decision that given that they couldn't weld those drain covers down, they made a decision to, I think in the end, we 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 sort of drilled down that they actually then went and replaced it with their own covers aluminium covers that weren't welded and weren't sealed even though they said at one tried to claim at one point that they had sealant on them Uh, they were held down with what looked like a a brass claps a clasp um that was able to kind of tighten up from from the top a part that is not designed to be you know race spec and failed nearly straight away and mistakes happen i get that and i get that you have to you know, you can't just tell the truth straight away because lawsuits exist and they, and they are having a class action lawsuit against them on behalf of the fans. But that incident could have been so much worse. They could have ended up killing someone in the crowd that could have done a lot more damage to Carlos Sainz's car. Uh, so not only did that happen, but then they just didn't display any common sense with Carlos Sainz and the penalty and then also messed the fans around horribly and are failing absolutely to just put their hands in their pockets and just compensate people for for the action that they missed out on and not only that they missed out on but were sent home from half an hour before the action started they tried to make it out like it was a force of nature like a hurricane came through there wasn't a hurricane they made mistake after mistake after mistake and they didn't have a contingency plan and on the saturday the solution they said well we'll make sure on saturday we do have a contingency plan yeah should have had that on Friday as well. So for, they've got to miss the apex for that whole debacle on uh, on Thursday, Friday. They should have read Ross Braun's total competition book or whatever, which he talks about for about 400 pages about contingency plans. I don't know where, what he's doing these days. I don't even know if he's still in motorsport somewhere. Or, or Let something. him rest. I don't know. I Let seen... him rest. Yeah. <laughs> he's fishing. All right. I don't he's think we fishing. need to. Um... He likes to fish. Yeah. I mean, that that topic has taken up so much bandwidth. Just scroll my Twitter feed. I, yeah, I was yeah. irked. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go with you then, Scott. Scott, who missed the apex for you? Toto kind of relates to mm. Thursday, but Toto Wolf. Yeah. His rant in support of just F1 and the event itself after all the criticisms, this was just after Free Practice 1 was cancelled because of the uh, valve manhole issue with Carlos Sainz. And it was just odd. It was odd and bizarre. And it was like it was business Toto talking um, and getting very defensive. And he even had a go at Fred Fasur as well, who understandably was not very happy. Um, And 
even said to him, well, if this was your car, there's no way that you'd be defending this right now. This, this negligence of the organisers because of rushing safety procedures, because they wanted the opening ceremony on the track. And it's, it was just, I don't know, should I say out of character for him? Or maybe it was true colours of Toto. It was definitely business Toto because at the end yeah. of the day, Mercedes F1 is a brand still. He is the business owner, a very large stakeholder, and Vegas needs to go ahead. It needs to be a success for Mercedes to yeah. earn money. So did, did we get a glimpse of, of work of nine to five Toto and not camera chatting away to Johnny Herbert Toto? I think we did. I think we got an insight into maybe what Toto is like um, against in the design office um, <laughs> who, who decided to create the W13 and 14. Yeah, big, I'm a huge Toto Wolf fan. But yeah, kicking off at that, that journalist for asking what, what seemed to the world was a, a fair question. And, uh, and, you know, you're not alone, Scott. A lot of people who are Mercedes fans who, who love Toto Wolf went, what, what, was, what was that? What was that? I, I guess they've put a lot of work into it and it would be nice if it could just be brushed off as just... Because that's what you said. You go, oh, it's just a drain cover. It happens. You go, no, it's not that. There's definitely more to it. And we'll never find out the full story because they're never going to come out and say, yeah, Derek in in uh, in the drain cover department <laughs> told us that the brass <laughs> thing would hold. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, so let's go for Jono. Jono, who missed the I'm Apex glad- for you? So I was going to say, I'm glad you used an American name of Derek of all names, because it probably was a Derek or a um, Billy Bob. Yeah, but I don't even know where that, I don't know why that name suddenly just popped into my head. I just plucked <laughs> it around. Um, who missed the Apex for me? Uh, I'm sure that Matt is going to talk about the 20 minute drive to the podium. If not, <laughs> that's got to be mine. But I, I will let Matt maybe delve into his a little bit later. Mine's going to be – I'm going to take some lighthearted ones because I know there's a lot of negative that came out of this weekend. First of all, Pierre Gasly's golf swing on the on the Wednesday that almost killed people in the crowd was one of the worst golf swings I've ever seen. Now, you're talking to somebody here. Now, I suck at any sport that involves a stick and a ball – so I would have done the same thing. But don't play golf if that's what you do, if you're going to put people at danger. Um, and the second one was, now, I watched the opening ceremony thinking, oh, we're going to get some driver interviews or something. So I kept tapping the 10-second fast forward on YouTube, <laughs> and then it finished. And I was like, oh, wait a sec. I just, I just like, honestly was tapping for about five minutes. And I think but I'm, I might sound like I'm joking here, but I'm not. I sat there for five minutes tapping away. And all I remember seeing was some oversized like Latino rapper and some like trade, like some construction uniform. And then I just kept tapping. And then after that, I'm like, oh, it just finished. So I don't know. It was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. And I watched it on fast forward, which made it even, even okay. funnier. <laughs> uh, Matt, who missed the apex for you? Yeah, well, I, I, I now I'm tempted to say that, yes, I do agree with Jono because uh, poor old Gasly got a case at a shanks off of that <laughs> and that life live golf event and it was just it was painful to watch i felt i mean i did i felt real sympathy for him because <laughs> there's no place worse to have that happen oh no then oh. on tv uh. in front of a whole bunch of people i was about to but, say well we're all bad golfers here so we can relate but scott's really good at golf so we can't <laughs> yeah well um but no fine i i will i will take your suggestion and go with the completely bizarre car ride to the bellagio <laughs> which paid who knows how much for that kind of advertising i will say there were some positives i think if you take three drivers fighting that hard 
in most races and force them into a closed environment where they have nothing to do but talk to each other, you could get some very interesting results. But we didn't this time. And the whole rest of it was just a waste of time and felt it felt weird because there were no fans. The, the team wasn't there. It was just this isolated mm. place for the interview and then they drove them back and then they had the regular podium so is that what they did i, I missed up... all of that is that what they did they drove yes. yeah. yeah they Go drove ahead. somewhere else for the interview and then came yeah. back with <laughs> what, yeah they what? drove Whose back idea was that? Yeah. that's worse than the drain cover thing oh that is equal i think that's equal sorry scott yeah that 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 was ridiculous i just wanted to make an honorary mention to the regulations of there not being any regulation in place for um, the force majeure um, thing where Carlos Sainz and Ferrari had to take a 10 place. Oh, grid come penalty. on. They could have, they could have they said could it was force majeure it. if they yeah. wanted to. Well, that was their argument is that yeah. there's no regulation yeah. with air quotes uh, that allows. So what did he get? That to happen. A 10 place grid 10, drop. 10 place penalty. And a 1.4 million pound bill apparently to Ferrari. Okay. But what? It was, en- it was engine, gearbox, battery, the cockpit blew out apparently wow. it damaged was... his seat apparently you could see the floor through the cockpit yeah, apparently signs was signs said he was fortunate enough that nothing made contact with him yeah that's yeah. saying it could have been so much worse and this is why for then the fi or for liberty to be issuing statements going nah it's no big deal it was just you know it, it, got, it was a super big deal it was like a huge big deal um but yeah though no, so it's so unlucky for signs and i do feel like there could have been a way around it where he didn't get a 10 place grid penalty but i'm so disappointed in all the rest of the teams like what is a thing that comes with a 10 place grid penalty like something like could they like all replace a battery or a part of a engine unit that they didn't need to but they replace it anyway like i was waiting for the i am spartacus moment where Latifi, you know, Lati- why do I keep saying Latifi? Where Sergeant steps forward and says, like, I need to change my battery. And then Hamilton goes, I also need to change my battery. And then one by one, they all change their battery and get a 10 place grid penalty to show solidarity to Carlos Sainz. But they didn't. The gits. All right, cool. Uh, let's do the good thing award. And on a positive, the weekend. Okay, so. Let's start with Matt Trumpets. Matt, you are at MattPT55 on Twitter. And Matt is the person responsible for making sure all the links you need are in the show notes. So uh, thank you, Matt, to making sure that everybody can go into the show notes and zap, 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 become a patron. Right, do this, become a patron, and you won't get charged till the end of the month. Go on the $5 tier, listen to the fun, patron-only, skippable, non-canon show that we did yesterday, and you probably won't forget to cancel it. So... Everybody wins. You'll definitely, you'll remember. Don't even worry. You'll remember to cancel it by the end of the month. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Apex. That's the first link that you'll see under the summary. And then go and follow my panel at MattPT55. Matt, who hit the Apex for you? Well, ah, there was so much good about this race. But I'm going to give my 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 Hit, hit the, the Apex, Apex we'll Award. Get we'll get there. Smash the Apex Award to something that I first noticed watching the thoroughly unhinged live golf event. And that's going to be the sphere. I thought that thing was awesome. I loved it. It's my favorite thing. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And it was so cool during the race because that was like the one feature of Las Vegas you actually got to see even when you were like (laughs) doing the onboard cameras. They, they They do the shots, right? And you'd be trying to watch the car. And the car would be getting lower and lower in the in the shot until it's right at the bottom, you know, like where a news ticker would be. And they had to do that to zoom out to get the sphere in. And you're like, oh, 
I'm supposed to be looking at the sphere, not the car. But it's brilliant. There was so much on there. And uh, all throughout the race, it was changing all throughout the race. And yeah, a real, a real feature. Like if they installed that on Colchester High Street, I'd be up for that. I would, I would allow that next to the, ta- <laughs> next to the town hall, just into the Dutch Quarter. I think let's get on that. In Essex, in Essex, would be nice. It'd be stolen if it was in Essex by now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've learned through this podcast. Okay, mean even even if true. Okay, so uh, Stuffy, uh, you are a streamer, and you stream. You stream when your cat allows you eye racing and stuff. So go and go and watch. You get to look at the bottom half of Stuffy's face while he does eye racing in VR. Not anymore. I I upgraded oh, screens, from VR aren't you? to a to a big ultra wide curved monitor. So unbelievable. It's a lot more, com- it's a lot more comfortable these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're just you're using the money maker, the old face there, and you go. Now I needed more Scotty FaceTime. <laughs> um, my hit the apex <laughs> of the weekend was. Sassy Max. Yeah. I loved Sassy Max this weekend. He was on top form yeah. off the track. He oh, he just basically did not care. Did not give a beep. Um because See Jono. He just gave <laughs> he just gave it <laughs> to Liberty Media yeah. saying before the weekend it was ninety nine percent show and one percent race. I'm not about that. So much so he pretty much had Every journalist and every pundit going, I don't agree with that. I think that's poor from Max. And Max just didn't back down. He just continued. He slandered the sprints again. He compared the track to, he compared Monaco uh, as Champions League and the Vegas track as National League, um, National League, which is like Dundee weekend team football league if you're outside of the UK. It was <laughs> It was great to see, um, and it's probably the one man, the one man yeah. that Liberty Media so badly wants to just promote and say good things about F1, and he's just going against the grain, and I love it. We as F1 fans have been told, like, I've been, I've been told, like, it's just because you're old and you've been watching it for ages that you don't like the sprint weekends and, like, you're just grumpy about the, the show, show, show and stuff like that, and you go, well, I think, and I don't mind the show and the glitz and stuff, but the sprint weekends are, are rubbish. But I think Max Verstappen just spoke for a lot of fans and there was no one, no one in F1 or F1 media that was kind of willing to represent a large chunk of the F1 fan base who, who don't like, say, the sprints, for example. And he's just the only one who's come out and gone, nah, they're arse. And just to tag on to that as well, similar to what Max was doing over the weekend, Fred Vasseur oh, holding yeah. his own yeah. in that conference where he's got Toto in his ear. And he got asked multiple times after he's just been told he's got a £1.5 million bill, whatever it is, for Carlos Sainz's car. They're getting a penalty. The interviewer asked him three times. It's still a great event, though. Do you? <laughs> but, but this is great for Ferrari, like an event after he's just like had a hole chucked into his car. What, what do you think about the event? It's great. What does this mean for Ferrari? And Fred's like, I think you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, my car's just been ripped in half. Like, stop. Just leave him alone. That's awful. All right, go and follow Stuffy. His links will be in the show notes below. Follow him on Twitter and watch his... Even if you're not into iRacing, just tune in. It's uh, it's like AMSR, <laughs> ASMR for, for the... Just watching a guy doing an intense thing that in a super chilled way is why I love your stream. He's super chilled until his cat turns his computer off or something like that. All right, <laughs> yeah. so and we've got Australian man. Hello, Australian man. <laughs> We, we were uh, until Jono joins uh, Scott's races and takes him out. That's what's going to happen next. You'd have I'll to, you'd have to, under one of those. <laughs> you'd have my, to catch My fake him. name will be Spanners Ready. That's what it will be. Oh, no. Um, 
who hit the no who missed the apex hit the apex hit the apex yeah anything positive um this is a tough one uh because you know the max one was was mine uh my second one is not as exciting but it was uh i i I don't know for some reason i consumed sky's coverage this weekend Mm. and i for some reason really enjoyed ted kravitz this weekend i thought he was great glorious yeah Mm. and i i think ted's great you know most weekends he's he's by Wally was he is awkward as they can be, yeah. but um he is great, you know. And today I, I was like, I really enjoyed watching the notebook. It was one of my favorite parts of the weekend. So uh, that was great. I'll give it to Ted. Why not? He get, he needs some love. You know, you could also give it to Stroll for proving today he's a better driver than Alonso. <sighs> Do you know? Or you could have let it get to my thing of the weekend, and my thing of the weekend was gonna be Lance Stroll, but you've just stolen Yay! that. Thanks a lot, Good. Matt. So um Follow Jono. His beard or his drive? Follow Jono, Johnny S8 <laughs> on Twitter, but the link will be in the show notes below. Yeah, but Lance Stroll has actually, this is the evil universe, Lance Stroll, because he's got that full, like, thick, evil goatee going on. But look, whether he got sliced up with a safety car or not, um, and whether he should have qualified higher than 19th or wherever he started, he still ended up in fifth place. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's a quality drive. Um, rode, rode the luck and took advantage of it. So well done to... Lance Stroll, and I guess Williams for briefly looking like it was going to be that glorious uh, F1 weekend for them. I know I always say. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program. Don't get too hyped up or too excited by Williams doing well in the practice sessions or even qualifying well because it's about the race. But even even a part of me, Matt, was uncynical thinking they might get some big points today. Well, I, I don't think they were that far off it. I, I know we're sort of at the end of the show, but they got hung out to dry because they didn't have a second set of hard tires to go on to when that safety car happened. Like they both, uh, I think Sargent was 35 laps on the hard tire. Albin was 33. And their car is not the best on the tires. If they'd been able to take advantage of that safety car, they they could have both wound up in the points, but it was not to be. Excellent. And make sure you follow me 
by following at Spanners Ready and follow the links in the show notes below and consider being a patron. But if you can't do that, I would ask that you just tell a couple of people that Missed Apex podcast is where you like to hang out on a Sunday or um, the show that you like to listen to on your Monday morning commute. You have been our greatest advertising partner over the last eight years. So if you tell people that Missed Apex podcast is worth subscribing to, then they'll probably believe you over me. There's going to be some midweek content in some form, but we'll see you again live for the season finale in Abu Dhabi. I believe we're going to be streaming at 8 p.m. as normal next Sunday. But until we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.